0: Welcome back to Air Magique. I'm your host, Eric, and with me is my amazing co-host, Niels.
1: Hello, everyone. Today, Eric will be talking about his visit to Europa Park and what you should know before you're going. Yes, the Europa Park sure is a one-of-a-kind
0: place. But before we get to all that, I did want to mention that in this month's Patreon exclusive show, Niels and I will be chatting all about the future of Disneyland Paris. We're talking all about the things to look forward to, as well as some cool fun facts and little tidbits here and there. <laughs> you can get access to all that along with all of our other fabulous exclusive episodes on patreon.com slash airmagique and it all starts at just 2 euro so we've gotten a ton of news most of it relating to the Avengers Campus Arena yeah. I think we should talk about the new concept art we just got for the Avengers Hero Training Center yeah. this is our first look into this meet and greet space so based on the concept art we have Spider-Man and Iron Man plus you know a bunch of park enjoying their time with them it looks really industrial i think it's cool to have an indoor meet and greet space that's finally you know like a dedicated space instead of just the studio theater where they've been doing
1: it Mm -hmm. so far yeah that was really like a temporary (laughs) location uh, that they should use that theater for actual shows (laughs) yeah that would be
0: great how about
1: a new show yeah exactly
0: (laughs) i'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they'll maybe add a new show when avengers campus opens up yeah distribute capacity a little bit you know everybody's going to be crowding in that new land so it'd be nice
1: to have a show to just eat up a few people (laughs) yeah we can have back the avengers show the superhero show from the marvel season oh yeah that's something that they just have yeah
0: was that originally performed in that
1: theater yeah exactly yeah yeah perfect well then it's already set up for that I'm sure they will then. I think the theater was even well expanded a little bit and those new LED features and the nice walkways when you yeah. go inside it's all a bit superhero yeah. <laughs> themed and the technology was needed for this new Marvel show so I actually think it's one of the only shows that played there making use of all the technologies and features that the theater is capable of so they have to the show they do have to props. Yeah, so <laughs> all they need to do is
0: maybe <laughs> just bring it back bring it back and uh, if you have a little bit of extra time you know refine the script just a little bit but i think all the effects are really cool exactly yeah the official press text mentions that spider-man captain america and black widow will make an appearance mm-hmm. there's a good chance we might also meet uh groot and loki and other marvel characters that we've been seeing around the studio theater. so mm-hmm. they have those costumes and those actors readily available why not have them in the hero yep. training center as well so Captain a
1: marvel black widow yeah we had a lot of characters in the studio theater or during the Marvel season in the past, for the little shows that were outdoors, we had exactly the show with Groot, the dance show from the Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah,
0: there are a lot of costumes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Loki could try to teach you how to be mischievous. So I think that'd be really yeah, fun. And true. we've seen Doctor Strange now at the Hotel New York, yeah. so
1: it's very likely that we'll also be seeing him in the parks in the future. And what you see in uh, DCA in California is that they have. <laughs> well new marvel characters uh, let's say uh, <laughs> every couple of months when there's a new movie or a new disney plus uh, series uh, released so they already have characters from moon knight and i think they had wanda when WandaVision vision was released so that would be really nice if the avengers campus here in disneyland paris were well, also well move along with new movie and TV series uh, oh, yeah. releases yeah and we also got a first look at some of the costumes that will be
0: making their way over to paris yep some are pretty similar to the california counterparts ah, yeah. like the web slingers cast member costumes very similar as well as uh, they're called uh, Pim Test Kitchen, I believe. And I think ours will just be called Pim Kitchen. It'll be a buffet restaurant, mm. as well as new uniforms like the Stark Factory restaurant. And uh, those cast members will be wearing red aprons and a nice red Avengers branded baseball cap. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we've got the standard campus uniforms, which are just kept in this very sleek gray and black design, very geometric. I really like this design. And we also have one mystery uniform that they didn't <laughs> <laughs> specify. Of course, everyone is assuming that that will be for the new uh, rock and roller coaster rethemed named Avengers Assemble Flight Force attraction. And that one has some really interesting detailing on it, like the sleeves, they have this blue shimmering, almost maze-like pattern on them. That one looks really cool. Mm -hmm. We also saw what appears to be one of the wintertime or colder time of year outfits, which is a jacket that features a diagonal zipper. It looks very (laughs) chic, very avant-garde. I think I could totally wear this just walking around Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, well, although they're not the same as the Hotel New York outfits, they match.
0: Yeah. Totally. It's same universe, same vibe. Yeah. yeah. Very contemporary, nearly futuristic depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. The only one I'm kind of a little bit disappointed in is maybe the Stark factory restaurant one with the apron. It just looks very Starbucks barista to me. I feel like they could have been <laughs> yeah. a little bit more extra with it maybe. With the Pim kitchen they get these cool lab coats. Everybody has something special going on and the Stark Industries one is just a little bit
1: yeah. meh. Yeah.
0: meh could be anywhere basically <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly
1: quite uh, generic indeed yeah. yeah
0: and of course we got to check out the new trailer which is a cgi galore presentation mm-hmm. of the new campus yeah. but it gives us a really good idea of what to expect i mean the facade of Avengers Flight Force looks gorgeous in that trailer. We see a bunch of characters walking around, like the Warriors of Wakanda, which I'm so excited about. I can't wait to see them (laughs) walk around the Avengers Campus Paris. And we also saw some stunt show choreo going on on top of one of the roofs. So it's nice to know that it will likely be getting some outdoor
1: entertainment there as well. Yeah. And I really hope that it's not just for the opening, but something they can keep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a permanent fixture, please. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just adds so much energy and life Mm, to a land in a park. If you have like an outdoor show, it's spontaneous. Okay. Maybe you tell people when it is, if they really want to see it, but then, you know, if you're just having to walk through the land when the show comes on, it's so cool to just have some live
1: entertainment around you, some action. Yeah. That would be really cool to have that. And not just like once a day, but <laughs> all day. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs>
0: At least three times a day. Yeah, Thank you. Something like that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah.
0: Last but not least, we did see farm animals make their return to Frontierland Station. This is at the former Critter Coral Petting Zoo area, which used to have several farm animals roam around. So you used to be able to go there and pet cows, donkeys, goats, chickens, and rabbits if you could catch them. <laughs> and the farm animals used to roam completely free. And then the French animal protection laws came in and said, nope we're not going to do it like that. So they added a bunch of enclosures. So each animal got their little enclosed section. Mm -hmm. While we've only seen ponies return so far, I think this is a really nice sign. And you know, honestly, I'm just happy with ponies. I think it's super nice. They were grazing peacefully outside and enjoying the sunshine the day we saw them. It just added so much
1: life to Frontierland that wasn't there before. Yeah. I'm really wondering where these (laughs) ponies came from. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think these are the horses used in Main Street, Are huh? no, they're not ponies. No. I believe that there was a possibility to ride a pony in the Hotel uh, Cheyenne yeah. uh, in the past. So maybe these are those ponies and when they're not on duty, they will be here in Frontierland. I'm not sure. but uh, It's
0: definitely possible. But it was so cute, like the cast members were interacting with them. We had a quick pit stop there, I think they were filling uh, some more water into the train. So the engine driver got out of the car real quick and just started feeding them some fresh hay, and it was just a really cute moment to witness. The animals were having a really good time, so I thought that was very cool. And nice. all the guests were reacting to the ponies, of course, like, ah, oh, you know, looking and taking photos. So it's back. definitely a really nice addition. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all in terms of the biggest stories of the last month. I was hoping we could already announce a... <laughs> avengers campus opening date but rumors are pointing to a may the 20th release for that date Mm -hmm. so we'll see if that happens or not if it does maybe i'll do a little update here and i'll insert it right here hey guys this is eric from the future i wanted to give you guys an update regarding the avengers campus in paris the new land will open officially to the public on july 20th we don't know exactly how the crowds are going to be managed yet whether it will be on a first-come, 1st first serve basis or via timed entry. However, we now know that besides Pym Kitchen and Stark Factory, we'll also be getting the following food service opportunities. First up is the Worldwide Eating Brigade, which is going to serve Asian noodles and coconut balls. Next up is the Fantastic Food Truck, which is going to sell, and by the way, it's called Fan-tastic, haha, <laughs> get it? which is going to sell New York-style hot dogs, vegan sausages, and the amazing cheesecake on a stick, which is one of my favorite snacks in Disneyland Paris. And last but not least, the Café de Cascadeur, which is going to return as quote, super diner, is going to be serving up Reuben sandwiches for takeaway only, which is such a bummer (laughs) considering how iconic the location is, but it's not too surprising given its ultra limited capacity. Hopefully we'll see it being restored to a table service in the future when the hype dies down a little bit. Last but not least, there's also going to be a gateway portal, which is an outdoor meet-and-greet location. This is going to give parkourers the chance to meet one of many superheroes of Avengers Campus as soon as they enter the land. That's all for this update. Now on with the show!
1: <laughs> yeah. But at least the trailer said early summer so that's a good sign at least no uh, september yeah better than late (laughs) summer yeah definitely
0: first new thing to open since 2012 i can't believe it (laughs) yeah so exactly 10 years since we got anything new but uh, really exciting yeah yeah. most definitely oh we did get to park underneath the new solar canopies the infinity parking lot was back open it was back in the very front and it was fabulous to have a nice and shady spot to park i really enjoyed parking underneath those solar canopies I do wish they had some <laughs> electric chargers as well but you know what I'll take it it's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah you would say it's easy now to just uh,
0: <laughs> create some plugs. Yeah I'm a little bit baffled that they didn't just add a little bit more I mean considering Efteling has like 150 plus charging spots for their theme park it's possible you can do it and Disneyland <laughs> yeah. Paris only has four it's kind of yeah. sad. And
1: now they have so much solar energy so yeah, yeah easy to connect at least 150 cars <laughs> yeah it's yeah that'd be really nice y'all you know doesn't yeah.
0: Person, if you're listening, yeah, a little bit more, just a little bit, it's yeah. fine. I'll even pay for the electricity, it's totally fine, it doesn't have to be free, I'll pay for it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of another park that doesn't have a lot of electric charging
1: possibilities,
0: <laughs> shall we get started on <laughs> Europa Park?
1: Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, so really curious to hear uh, all about it as you visit it. So let's start with, uh, well, what exactly is Europa Park? or? oi europa park europa park, <laughs> <Europe> park.
0: <laughs> you can
1: say whatever you, can say like. whatever it you want it's yeah. totally fine <laughs> but uh, maybe you can describe it in a nutshell to our listeners eric
0: most definitely europa park is the largest and most frequented theme park in germany with its 5.9 million visitors in 2019 it's the second most popular theme park in europe just behind disneyland paris hmm. the park is located in Rust, and it's spelled like rust, but I'm going to say rust (laughs) because rust sounds so demeaning. (laughs) A small town in southwestern Germany, and it's really the beating heart of the city. Everything in rust revolves around the Europa Park, and one really feels that it's what's keeping this small, cute town alive. In total, the 95-hectare Europa Park Resort is comprised of a theme park, Mm -hmm. a water park named Rulantica, and several on-property hotels. The park also has a rich and interesting history. It's owned and operated by the Mack family, who are not just in the theme park business, but are also one of the world's largest manufacturers of theme and amusement park attractions. Ah. Mack likes to take its most innovative ride concepts and test them out in Europa Park, which then acts as a sort of showroom for potential clients so ah, interesting. Inter- other theme amusement park companies around the world. Yeah. So it's kind of as though Vakoma had its own theme park. It's pretty neat. Mm. Even if you've never been to Europa Park, there's a good chance that you've ridden one of Mach rides. They've produced several attractions for Universal Studios, Efteling, SeaWorld, Wallaby Belgium, Warner Brothers Movie World, Six Flags, and yes, even Disney although not Disneyland Paris, so (laughs) the two Disney attractions they built are Slinky Dog Dash at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando and Goofy's Sky School in Disney's California Adventure Park. The park has a rich and detailed history, but for the sake of the show, I'll keep it a little bit brief (laughs) here. Basically, the founder of Europa Park, Franz Mack, was very inspired by (laughs) Disney when he visited the United States in 1972. While the park's early attractions and design concepts felt more like copies of famous Disney attractions Mm -hmm. and architecture, I would say about in the last 20 years, they've really begun to distance themselves from cloning attractions and focused on completely original concepts, even going so far as to completely retheming their clone of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's named Piraten von Batavia, so Pirates mm-hmm. of Batavia. <laughs> well, technically, the original attraction did get uh, partially destroyed in a fire, but still, instead of rebuilding another clone, the new version's completely different aesthetically and story-wise from the original, which is something nice. I really appreciated. Yeah. There's just nothing more disappointing than experiencing a bad copy of a better <laughs> attraction so this new version can really hold its own ground not only because it's a much higher quality attraction but serves a completely different vibe than disney's pirate right but i'm digressing here yeah overall Massive theme park resort. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. So, how many times have you been here, Eric?
0: Yeah. Um, so, I've only had the pleasure of visiting one so far. Mm-hmm. We had two full days in the Europa Park and skipped the water park since Florian's not really a fan of water parks. <laughs> yeah. uh, what really intrigued me into visiting was the sheer popularity of the place. Second behind Disney, they have to be doing something right. Right. right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't disappointed. The park has its own unique charm and features numerous beautiful themed areas, rides, shows, and attractions. It also offers several unique experiences like an ancient Greece themed area and an awesome inverted dark ride coaster called Arthur. A really unique and fantastic ride system, which I've yet to see anywhere else in Europe Besides the new attractions, which are of above average quality, I would say, mm-hmm. theming-wise, definitely, you also have countless older rides. So in total, there are 61 rides, wow. of which 13 are roller coasters, 12 are water rides. Even though it's only one theme park, it's impossible to do it in one day just because of the sheer size of the place. So it really feels like it should have been two parks but they decided just (laughs) to make it
1: one huge park (laughs) it's
0: massive yeah Yeah, it's definitely the largest single park with the most attractions i've ever visited personally so yeah also several of the roller coasters feature spiral lift hills which is something you don't see often And I thought they were kind of neat. These definitely add a bunch of ride time since it takes forever (laughs) to get up that circular lift. So unlike a classic chain lift where the cars lock into a moving mechanism, Uh the spiral lift locks the cars in from the side. Okay. And it's basically a structure with a constantly rotating steel element in the center that propels the vehicle up the track. It rather reminded me of one of those like slushy machines with the constantly <laughs> yeah. spinning element in the center to keep the mix smooth. But yeah, kind of like that, but vertical and with a roller coaster <laughs> attached to the side. Interesting. So. It sounds really unique. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that anywhere else. So I, I really enjoyed no, that. <laughs>
1: me neither. Yeah.
0: Overall, I would say that the quality of the theming, especially in regards to the lands, is excellent. Definitely on par with what Epcot delivers in Orlando, if not even
1: Mm -hmm. a little bit more expansive in terms of size. Okay. Nice. So Eric, I read that there are 18 themed lands. So what themes are there? There There's so many. Is is there some (laughs) kind of, well, unifying overarching main theme?
0: Yeah. Like you said, the park is divided up into 18 different themed areas, 15 of which are based off of European countries or regions. I suppose the name Europa Park in itself is the... Theme parks concept. <laughs> yeah. As in, the park's theme is a celebration of Europe's cultural and aesthetic inheritance. Mm. The park's designers have put an immense amount of effort into each themed land. Every single space is full of interesting design details, gorgeous horticulture, and fitting music. The three lands that really stuck out to me, one of which was the first to be constructed, was the Italian land. Okay. It's gorgeous with its venetian and tuscan influences you really feel like you've left central europe and Mm -hmm. have been transported to italy the land houses three attractions so volo da vinci which is a sightseeing tower which offers excellent views of the park Mm -hmm. the haunted castle so called geisterschloss in german which i personally put in the category of it's so bad it's good (laughs) <laughs> seriously the dark ride is like such a mess but it's really fun <laughs> zero story <laughs> but a bunch of references to random horror classics and modern horror films but then again it's from 1982 so it's before Europa Park really
1: got its grasp on storytelling <laughs> yeah okay and it's referring to the Italian horror masters or
0: not at all like I not don't know all. why this is
1: here I have no idea. Oh, okay. It doesn't fit. Like
0: the exterior facade fits the themed area, of course, but the interior, it's just, there's a complete disconnect there. Ah, it's a mess. Okay.
1: I, but an Italian horror ride would be fun. I was already wondering why it didn't have an yeah. Italian name.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, my favorite okay. of the area was Piccolo Mondo. So basically it's a small world, but in Italian. Ah, okay. <laughs> and yeah. while that title may sound really familiar to the Disney dark ride, this is completely different. It celebrates Italian cultural moments in a whimsical and fantastical manner. Definitely worth checking out that dark ride when you're in that area. Nice. We also had lunch there, but I'll talk about that in just a bit. Another fabulously themed land is the fantastical Minimoise Kingdom, Mm -hmm. which is based on the 2006 film by Luc Besson, Arthur and the Minimoise. So most folks will recognize Luc Besson from his iconic 1997 film, The Fifth Element. Yeah, yeah, classic, (laughs) totally the best. Multipass
1: with uh, Bruce Willis,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. Emily Yomovich. Love it. Most of the land is housed in a massive 3,500 square meter, that's 38,000 square feet, show building with a 15 meter tall, that's 49 feet dome. The entire building looks like several grass-covered organic spheres from the outside, so mm-hmm. it's truly wild architecture <laughs> nice. and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. The entire area serves woodsy, fantasy, realness, and does so with an abundance of details. It's also one of the few spaces in Europa Park that's based off of Nip. I want to talk mm-hmm. a bit more about the main attraction later, though. Yeah. The land also houses a kitty drop tower, which is called Poppy Towers, Root Slides, <laughs> and Mole Mol's Carousel, which is a Zamperla jump around flat ride, which looks pretty fun. Everything's intricately themed, all drop dead gorgeous. Last but not least, I really enjoyed the Greece themed area. Mm-hmm. So Greece has such iconic Cycladic architecture which is famous for its mm-hmm. minimal whitewash cube housing aesthetic. Right. Europa Park did a fantastic job of creating an architectural best of compilation for the area. So oh. the day we were visiting the weather was great, the large lagoon uh-huh. filled really with crystalline felt water like was Greece.
1: There.
0: <laughs> yeah, it truly transported me back to vacation long ago (laughs) the land also housed several attractions including two themed roller coasters a beautifully themed madhouse as well as an intricate dark ride shooter so by the madhouse I mean that illusionist type ride. You feel like you're going upside uh, down, but you're not really okay. going upside yeah. down. I think Efteling has one. Villa Volta, Villa yeah. Volta, yes, and the Land has one too. Yeah, this seems to be a trend in European theme parks. It's also a little bit older, but um, I've never seen one that was themed to an ancient Greek temple. So I really enjoyed no. that. <laughs> My only critique is that the two roller coaster entrances were really tough to find. Oh, I actually got in the wrong attraction line, thinking <laughs> oh, I was really? about to board Poseidon's water coaster, and ended up. Writing the Curse of the Cassandra Madhouse instead, so <laughs> they could really do with a bit more themed signage, just pointing parkgoers in the right direction, as well as clearly marking entrances. So I thought some of the attractions entrances were really hidden, and that's something that Disney does a little bit better—just clearly marking something as an entrance to an attraction.
1: That's yeah, very subtle sometimes in Europa Park. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Talking about attractions, how's the mix of? well, dark rides, thrills, and and other entertainment. I heard a lot of coasters and water rides, but how about the dark rides? Yeah,
0: Europa Park did a fantastic job of curating attractions for every taste. There are slower dark rides, flat rides, slightly thrilling attractions, as well as massive thrill rides like the humongous Silver Star Coaster, which I've never experienced so much airtime in my life. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) attraction. (laughs) Efteling caters a little bit more to dark ride fans and Fantasia Land more to Thrill seekers, I would say Europa Park offers the most balanced attraction catalog. Again, the sheer quantity of attractions that is available is insane. However, I will say that Efteling does a much better job of maintaining the attractions they have. So everything was top notch when we visited, even the older dark rides. Whereas Europa Park's older attractions sometimes they feel like use they can use love. a little bit of the Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's so big, maybe it's difficult to maintain. (laughs)
0: Ah, it must be. I do want to include one dishonorable mention at this point, which is my (laughs) only one, but it was the so-called Euromir coaster. The spinning roller coaster is located in the Russia-themed section of the park and really intrigued me at first glance. So the attraction screams retro Soviet space aesthetic and consists of five giant cylindrical towers with both indoor and outdoor track sections supposed to simulate a trip through space and i was expecting mm, crushes coaster vibes based on the ride system yeah your was such a rough ride i had <laughs> to oh. pause riding any further roller coasters for the rest of our first day because of oh, it. oh really it was just such a pity we did it really early in the day too now <laughs> i'm fortunate enough to be able to handle thrill rides without any issues usually like hyperspace mountain No problem. Star Tours right after it, sure, bring it on. You know, Rock and Roller Coaster, when it still existed, no issues at all. Tower Terror, Crushes Coaster, whatever. It's all fine. But the Euromir is, without a doubt, the roughest, most uncomfortable, (laughs) miserable (laughs) piece of junk I've ever had the misfortune of riding Yeah, Which is a pity since my expectations were pretty high because it really looked very fun from the outside. Was it thrilling? Sure, a bit. But it was mainly rough. <laughs> yeah, I still think of how bad my neck hurt after <laughs> riding oh, that thing. Oh, my. <laughs> that was my free souvenir for the day, bringing that pain yeah. home with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, no, if you visit the park, seriously, y'all, skip this roller coaster until they Skidded either one. completely yep. refurbish it or tear it down. Just tear the sucker down. <laughs> Ugh, worst ride ever. Okay, now that I got that out of my system, <laughs> if I've offended any fans of the attraction, I'm. I apologize, but I'm not sorry. It's awful. <laughs> Please send me the number of your chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> what were your favorite attractions, Eric?
0: Yeah, so it's tough to choose only two because I really yeah. enjoyed so many of the attractions there. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they have many.
0: So many. Whether it was <laughs> yeah. the gorgeous steampunk meets soaring style volatarium. Pirates in Asia inspired Pirates of Batavia that I mentioned earlier, or the mm-hmm. intricate OmniMover dark ride filled with dinosaurs oh. called Madame Freudenreich's Curiosities. Oh wow! <laughs> There's so many highlights to choose from, but here we go. I'll start with my number two pick, which is an attraction that feels like if the Moulin Rouge from Paris and Space Mountain from Florida had a baby: <laughs> the drop dead gorgeous EuroSat kan coaster. This gorgeous attraction celebrates everything Paris, the Moulin Rouge, and especially can-can dancing. <laughs> so <laughs> You enter the queue through an entrance that was designed to look like a detailed replica of the Moulin Rouge's iconic red windmill. Now the queue is a highlight of the attraction. There are so many different detailed scenes to stroll through, like a beautiful Bohemian Parisian apartment and a giant Paris World Expo space that just screams George Melier meets Jules Verne. It was fantastic. After boarding the intricate bright red and gold trains, we head down a long hallway past absinthe bottles with projection mapping effects. It feels like that absinthe scene from the 2001
1: film Moulin Rouge come to life. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie, the yeah. Bottle uh, version, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, this attraction is not officially based on that film. Mm. It feels like if they would have turned that film into an attraction, this is what would have come out. So. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. You've got bright green fairies flying around you. Uh, it's really, really cool. We then head slowly up a spiral lift hill, which is themed to Parisian street buildings, which we begin Mm -hmm. to rise above as we move up the spiral lift hill, even going so far as to surpass the Eiffel Tower at the very top. Ah, By the way, all of this is accompanied by its own onboard audio soundtrack. It's all synchronized to the movement of the Mm -hmm. traction and all the set pieces are painted in this black light reactive coating. So it looks really surreal, very cool, kind of like Peter Pan's flight in Disneyland Paris, that same visual aesthetic, yeah. but yeah, just a completely different ride experience, of yeah. course. <laughs> now, one cool secret about the Can Can Coaster is that all of the tracks are actually colored red, so all of the coaster tracks, <laughs> only you never see any of the track due to the blacklight effect, oh. so if the house lights ever do come on, then uh, the theming is still yeah, on
1: point. Exactly. Oh,
0: nice. <laughs> <laughs> the story was that Roland Mack, who currently runs the company, saw that in the marketing art, the coaster track was red. And he noticed that during the design process, the designers were creating a black track to be put inside the building because you don't see it anyway, right? And he was like, well, if it's red in the marketing material, we should have it red (laughs) (laughs) for real as well. And it turns out it didn't cost any extra and the red paint didn't react to blacklight effect. So it didn't ruin the illusion that you're Mm -hmm. like flying through Paris. So they just said, you know, why not? Let's go with the red track. Interesting, yeah. Now that I think about the attractions aesthetic, I keep on coming back to Space Mountain de la Terre à la Lune. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if Europa Park designers were like, hey, you don't want this fabulous retro-futuristic George Méliès aesthetic for your Space Mountain? That's fine, just hand it over to us.
1: Okay, (laughs) so they took the
0: idea. They took the aesthetic, but it's a completely different experience and theme from Space Mountain. But it's that same Mm -hmm. George Méliès vibe. Right. yeah. Yeah, I don't want to spoil all the details of the ride experience, I'd say it's about on the same thrill level as Big Thunder Mountain. So if you can handle that you can go on the Kancan. Mm-hmm. There are no inversions or backwards moving sections. One of my favorite details was that they brought back their own interpretation of the George Mellier man in the moon. So (laughs) if you remember that Mm -hmm. from Space Mountain de la Terra Lune and you missed that effect, here you have a new revival of it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Other than that, expect to see a lot of detailed Moulin Rouge sets. It's very fun. Overall, one of the most beautiful roller coasters I've ever had the pleasure of experiencing. It made me really emotional. I think it's one of the best attractions ever, honestly. Definitely top Disney quality theming in a non-Disney park. I guess that's the highest praise I can give it. Honestly, it deserves some kind of award. Like, we need the Oscars for theme park attractions. (laughs) I mean, I know we have IAPA and all that stuff, but still, yeah. This one didn't get anything yet. Yeah,
1: but still, yeah. (laughs) Oh, and then it's time for your number one.
0: Yeah, so next up is an (laughs) attraction that actually did win the Themed Entertainment Association's Innovative Ride System Award. Oh, okay. It's called Arthur. And it's basically an inverted power coaster system. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hybrid attraction. So it combines the showmanship of a sophisticated dark ride yeah. with the visceral thrills of a roller coaster. Okay, <laughs> The ride system feels like a precursor and less thrilling more storytelling focused version of the new guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind coaster in epcot if y'all have been spoiling yourselves with ride through videos like i have then you'll know what i'm talking about the attraction transports you into luke besson's film arthur and features an abundance of animatronics dark ride scenes like you name it this attraction has it What's unique about the attractions ride system is that riders can be turned in any direction in a controlled manner. Mm -hmm. Unlike the random spinning of Crush's Coaster or Euromir, the attractions designers can position riders in a way to further the story. So they can turn you to the show scene or away from the show scene at the right time. It's really tough to compare this dark ride in terms of thrill Mm -hmm. level since there's not much out there like it. I would say it's about half as thrilling as Big Thunder Mountain in terms of speed in Paris, but very different experience due to its ride system. Since your legs are dangling, it just feels completely different. Right. It's, so much fun, though. I adore the detailed Fantasy forest queue and the general vibe of the place. If you're a fan of animatronics, this ride is also for you because, boy, does it have a bunch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Every single show scene features a bunch of animatronics. There are also a few projection sequences, which feel a bit dated. However, they only act as a supporting element and don't take away, anything away yeah. from the rest of the experience. My favorite show scene is probably the Paradise Alley set. It's a massive, intricate, neon-filled fantasy city space, and it's just drop-dead gorgeous with blinking lights and all the colors of the rainbow and so much motion going on. Nice. Very cool. It's worth noting that the attraction leaves the show building Mm -hmm. several times, so some of the quote-unquote faster ride moments are outside of the show building due to its unique. Turning nature, you do get some fun sensations when riding the attraction. So instead of just going down a hill, it might turn while you're going oh. down a hill. So it just feels very interesting <laughs> and it turns in a controlled manner again. So it's not just a natural kind of spinning. It's very cool. Again, not super fast, but thrilling in a light, fun way. You can definitely do this after lunch, right. no problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, also the entire ride experience is smooth as butter nice so yeah. i would consider both arthur as well as the can can must-do attractions of the park they're both very unique experiences that you can't find anywhere else and add so much to the resort <laughs> one strange little critique that i have is that Mach media mm-hmm. i guess it's a subsidiary of mac rides they're in charge of producing media for Europa Park. So all the 4D films, safety videos, everything's made by them. They really like putting their watermark on everything. (laughs) So this was especially annoying during the safety video for Volitarium. Like, why is there a watermark in the video? (laughs) I don't understand. We're on the attraction. Imagine the Disney Star Tour safety video having a Lucasfilm Disney watermark in the corner the entire time. Girl, I know I'm at Europa Park. I don't need the watermark. Put that watermark somewhere else. This is not the place. It really took me out of what would have otherwise been a really immersive experience since all the interiors of Voltarium are beautifully themed. Yeah. I was half expecting the IMAX Dome projection ride film to have a watermark in the
1: corner. Thank goodness it yeah. didn't they're probably afraid that you're filming it from the queue
0: <laughs> yeah I mean but still it's the internet age everybody can google this Volterium where yeah. is it Europa Park fine I don't need the watermark in the video it's okay no exactly it feels a little bit like they stole the video <laughs>
1: <laughs> it really yeah, does interesting. oh
0: I didn't write this down but one thing that I just remembered was I read online a really fun story that when Arthur breaks down since the right system is so controlled and innovative and it doesn't use gravity to propel itself forward when it has a technical issue it just stops wherever it is so if you're out outside and going downhill it just stops yeah. right in the middle of going downwards, downwards. And Europa Park has special ladders oh, okay. they can use to evacuate people, so they can adjust the height of the ladder ah, on wherever yeah. you're stuck and evacuate you from there. Oh, so
1: this could be intense. That's <laughs> probably uh, the most thrilling thing. Yeah, exactly. Of that ride. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, interesting. Well, let's move to uh, food. Yes! <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about the food offering in a whole, huh? maybe you... Can I name some favorite snacks or yeah. restaurants in here? Yeah, so I'll be honest. We went into Europa Park with an open-to-everything
0: attitude. Okay. <laughs> well, we did inform ourselves about the highlights, we mostly just winged it. Since the parks closed around 6 p.m. during our visits, we relegated our in-park culinary experiences to lunch mostly, with one exception mm-hmm. that I'll get to in a little bit. On the first day, we dined at the Pizzeria Venezia, which serves of pizza and pasta, Nothing really special about the place. It's in the Italian section of the park. Theming is fine, but not extraordinary. The food was fine. It, it was all fine, but nothing that really stood out to me. Yeah. Next time I visit, I'll likely try another restaurant before dining there again. Right. In general, I would say there is a massive variety of food available, mm-hmm. mostly corresponding to the yeah. lands. So the restaurants are located in. Yeah. Like Italian food in the Italian land, French food in the French section. Yeah. And but so that's on. interesting.
1: Yeah. That's exactly what Disney is lacking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so many lands. So so many different offerings. Unbelievable amount of offerings. Nice. On yeah. the the second day, we had lunch at
0: Bamboo Bay, which is an Asian fusion counter service restaurant. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was expecting table service since this is the restaurant the boats drift by on Pirates of Batavia. So uh. much like Captain Jack's, yeah. but again, completely different vibe due to the colorful Indonesian theming. Very beautiful. You feel like you're sitting in an old temple. It's so cool. We enjoyed the food and I would totally eat here again. Expect to find things on the menu like soup bowls, salad bowls, spring rolls, rice noodle dishes... Mostly worked in the form of a build-your-own-bowl system, so where you could choose your meat, your veggies, your rice, your noodles, right. and sauce, making it really flexible. It's great for picky eaters, as long as the picky eaters like Asian food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. The atmosphere was great, and there's plenty of tables available when we visited. Definitely no reservations possible since it's counter-service, mm-hmm. so it's a first-come, first-serve type experience, but we had absolutely no trouble finding a table. Oh, we great. did visit... Yeah. On uh Monday and Tuesday. So I I should add that. I guess on the weekend it might be a little bit more busy. One last culinary experience we had was in the Greek section of the park, which was open for the horror nights event we attended in Europa (sighs) Park called Traumatica. Oh (laughs) so let me know if you guys are interested in hearing more about that in a future episode. Anyway, the so-called Taverna Mykonos serves up simple gyro dishes with french fries and pita bread. Mm-hmm. It was just fine in my opinion. I've had much better Greek food, but it wasn't bad either. Like, it's a decent option if you're craving Greek it's food. It's
1: still themed bark foods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean, it's, it's all, nothing's fresh, right? It's all just from the fryer, but it's fine. <laughs> Overall, there are very few table service restaurants. Most are quick service and mm-hmm. snack stands. There's far too many to list here. It's an unbelievable amount. Please check the Europa Park website. It's like more than 40 places. So the gist of it is that whatever cuisine you're craving, there's a pretty good chance you can find it in the parks. Yeah,
1: but it's really interesting. So just visit, well, the land uh, (laughs) of your interest and then uh, grab something to eat. But do all these lands have like a simple snack so that you could snack around the world or...
0: (laughs) Not necessarily, but I would say maybe one third of them have a snack bar, but these Mm -hmm. might feature some regional things, but mostly will just feature French fries. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So if you really want the regional cuisine, you probably should head to the counter service restaurant or a table service restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: So, what about the on-property
0: hotels? Europa Park has six on-property hotels and two camping opportunities. Okay. All of the hotels are pretty similar in sheer star rating. so Europa Park rates all of its hotels as a four-star superior experience. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so the theming is a different story though. It varies quite a bit from hotel to hotel. Staying on property has the advantage that you do get early access to both Europa Park and Rulantica about an hour before the official park opening.
1: Yeah, similar to Disney. Yeah, exactly.
0: With the exception of Hotel Kronosar, which is located directly next to the water park and offers free shuttle service to Europa Park, all the hotels are in walking distance or right next to the theme park, and most even grant you views into the theme park from the upper levels. Oh, nice. Yeah, what I found really impressive is that all of the hotels are rated. Either with 4.7 or 4.6 out of five stars on Google, with folks praising the service, rooms, and cleanliness. That's pretty impressive considering they have six hotels, it's quite a bit, and all of them are so consistently rated. So, of course, you are paying a premium price. Mm -hmm. All the rooms are consistently more than double the cost of non Europa Park hotels.
1: Right. But then again, you do get that great theming. Yeah. And you can just walk to the park. So, Yeah. yeah
0: or even if you're lucky you know see into the parks which yeah, i think is so yeah, cool yeah,
1: yeah that's really nice yeah
0: now i just want to give you guys a quick overview and i sorted these by opening dates so the oldest europa park hotel is the hotel el andalus which has four stars of course mm-hmm. <laughs> themed as a spanish <laughs> yeah. villa it's the oldest hotel in the park it opened in 1995 so if your kid is a huge fan of the arthur franchise this is also the hotel that offers an arthur themed room which looks pretty cute i do want. To say that all the hotels feature nicely themed rooms, so each one has its own unique look with a couple of details. The Hotel Castillo Alcazar, probably due to the popularity of Andalus, opened just Mm. four years later in 1999 and is themed as a Spanish finca. I mean, Germans do love to vacation in Spain. I wonder if that has anything to do with the theme of the first Mm. (laughs) two hotels. Maybe. In
1: 2004,
0: the Hotel Colosseo opened its gates and it's themed around the Roman Colosseum and features a fountain show created by French company Aquatique Show International, So that show's really nice. It kind of reminds me of the Bellagio on a smaller scale. Okay. Yeah. The Hotel Santa Isabel opened its gates in 2007 and is serving Portuguese monastery realness. Hmm. Not to be outdone, the Hotel Bell Rock opened in 2012 and is themed around New England. So just like the Newport Bay Club, it features a giant lighthouse. (laughs) Now, what's pretty neat is that the lighthouse is a massive lighthouse and it features several suites. So there's a John F. Kennedy suite in there, which is the penthouse suite. So, you can actually sleep in there and have a fantastic view of the park. I did want to mention that the Bellrock is not a copy of the Newport, so they do look and feel quite distinct, even though they are both themed to New England. Mm-hmm. While the suites at Europa Park are not as intricately themed as those of Efteling, I think they did a top notch job at Efteling. I've never seen anything like it since. They are pretty cool nonetheless and have their own unique character. Also, the Hotel Bellrock has the best restaurant of Europa Park with a two Michelin star rating. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Amelite, yeah. the lighthouse restaurant, so it's even in the Michelin guide, and offers the most elevated dining experience of the entire resort. If you would like to dine here, if you're a gourmet, <laughs> you absolutely have to make a reservation and you can make one by either calling the Europa Park hotline or mm-hmm. directly through the restaurant's website. And I do want to mention that they have a separate website from the official Europa Park uh,
1: site. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And you can enter this restaurant without having park tickets, right? Yes.
0: Yes. You can totally go there yeah. without any park tickets. So if you <laughs> just want to have the dining experience, yeah, it's possible. Most definitely. Yeah. Okay. Before I move on to the last hotel on the list, I did want to mention that we stayed off property, since this was our first time at Europa Park, I knew we weren't going to be spending any time in the hotels, so we just really wanted an affordable, nice, clean room, yeah. which is why we stayed at the Moxie in Woost. It averages in at just above 100 euro for most states and is located directly in front of the Hotel Bellrock. Oh, We just drove okay. to the park's main gate, which is about a five mm. minute drive away from the Moxie. The friendly receptionist also mentioned that it's a 20 minute walk if you're feeling like getting in some extra steps. Mm-hmm. There park does have electric charging stations but at the time of this recording only two <laughs> so oh. hashtag sad yeah <laughs> the first day we got lucky and managed to snag a spot it's not free charging oh and right. we had technical issues so even though we got charged a three euro cover fee just to start oh, yeah. charging to there start. no yep. electricity ever entered our vehicle <laughs>
1: so,
0: <laughs> yeah the second day the lot was full and we had to turn around and use the main parking lot which was totally fine it was really well organized they have a lot of team members there to guide your car to the next empty spot so it didn't feel like a free-for-all it was all very orderly
1: which i appreciated yeah nice it
0: comes in at eight euro per day and you might Even get a free Europa Park sticker for your troubles, which I thought was cute. So they didn't stick it on your car.
1: It's just they slide it under your windshield.
0: And if you want to do with it what you please. Oh, but
1: eight (laughs) euros is quite uh, reasonable. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I think Efteling is already like 10 euros and Disney 35.
0: Yeah, we're kind of idiots too, because we actually paid the eight euros. It turns out if you stay at a hotel in Roost... It's very likely that they have a corporation with Europa Park, and we learned after Uh, checking out that our hotel did as well, and we could have just put our... They give you a little paper saying that, you know, this is a partner hotel or whatever, and you can just show that, and then parking's free, and we didn't do that. (laughs) So (laughs) be smarter than us and take that little paper with you or ask if they have a corporation with them, and you can park there for free. So it's, yeah, we paid the 80 euro, whatever, it's fine. The signage could be a little bit better in the parking lot, especially near the charging stations. It was nearly impossible to find the main entrance entrance and there wasn't really a sign all the team members were so busy helping people park they're already like so far away by the time we got out of the car (laughs) there was Uh, nobody to ask so we just kind of wandered around we're like where are (laughs) other people going okay other people (laughs) are going here we'll just follow them (laughs) let's see where they go (laughs) we did eventually find it and it's all very organized the entrance also has its unique characters the moxie itself the rooms are comfortable clean and contemporary they are a little bit on the smaller side 17 square meters that's 100 183 square feet, but are completely manageable for two adults. The hotel is pretty new and it offers all the modern conveniences you would expect, like plenty of electrical outlets and air conditioning. Yeah. They also offer family rooms, which are a bit larger. So if you have kids with you, these are uh, 20 square meters large, 215 square feet. Yeah, it's a great place to stay. It's more comfortable and more luxurious than the b It just right. feels a lot more like a chic city hotel, like something you'd find in Berlin or London. Back to Europa Park Hotels. So the newest arrival mm-hmm. is the Hotel Kronosar, which opened just in time for COVID-19 to shut oh, it down nice. in 2019. <laughs> it's themed to a natural history museum that shows unique and historical objects collected by the, quote, Adventurer Club of oh. Europe. End quote. I don't know if that name reminds anybody of something. (laughs) Something Disney. (laughs) Adventurous Club, yeah. This has to be my favorite hotel of the Europa Park. It's not directly next to the park, which is a pity, but this place is serving natural history museum realness. All the rooms are super detailed with cool fake bookshelves and fantastic artwork. It also features a giant atrium with a massive skeletal creature hanging in the center. The only downside is that you do you need to take a shuttle to Europa Park from the Kronosar. Oh. However, if you're planning a water park day, this hotel's perfect because it's connected directly to it. Ah, okay. Yeah, so nice.
1: lots yeah. of hotels to choose from. And you don't have to choose for a price level. It's really choosing your team, I understand. Yeah, they all cost more or less the
0: same per night. It didn't really make much of a difference which one you booked. Interesting, yeah.
1: So how is it for <laughs> people from abroad yeah. like me <laughs> to experience the park? Can I speak English? And are there attraction, safety messages or right introduction that can tell me something in English or is it all in German? (laughs) You can most definitely speak English and visit Europa Park. Most park employees
0: have a basic if not sufficient comprehension of English. Mm -hmm. We overheard several Dutch, Belgian and French guests speaking in English with team members. Okay. I've even encountered a few in the Asian restaurant Bamboo Bai who only spoke English but that was the exception. (laughs) Some newer attractions make use of the typical Disneyland Paris multi-language approach where some of the dialogue is in German others in French, other than English, so they right. kind of mix and match it. Yeah. However, I would say most of the attractions that feature dialogue are, yeah, like most of the primary dialogue is in German. In German, yeah. Several, like the Can Can coaster, though, feature basically no dialogue. So the story is just communicated through visuals and music. Everybody can understand there's no language barrier. The same goes for a lot of the dark rides, like the Italian one I mentioned earlier, there's no real language. Like I think there's one or two Italian words that are being said here and there, but everybody just gets the gist of it by the shapes and the colors. So that's pretty much the theme of the dark rides. It's really rare for them to have a lot of dialogue. So how about these... pirate attractions yes so the pirates of batavia i would say that's an exception to the rule because there is quite a bit of dialogue and it's all mm-hmm. in german <laughs>
1: okay
0: online you can read what the story entails you can of course still enjoy the ambiance and the setting and it's basically just a pirate treasure hunt story so even okay, yeah. going off of shapes and movement you pretty much get the gist of what's going on there's no like intellectual dialogue that's being communicated in five seconds no. while your boat <laughs> passes by As a German speaker myself, it's tough to really judge exactly how much of a language barrier one might encounter in terms of storyline. My gut tells me, though, yeah, just very little. I did find a review from an American parker online who wrote, quote, As a Florida resident, having had season passes to all the major theme parks, I feel like I have a perspective... My visit to Europa Park was great, and English speakers, U.S. residents in particular, should not hesitate to go. Yes, it's different, and no English is not spoken or subtitled on most of the attractions and shows. And it doesn't matter. You'll love it. Okay. So that was a native speaker's take on his
1: experience at Europa Park. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say you can definitely go. Yeah, you know? and I can imagine that a lot of attractions tell the story visually. Yeah, most definitely. And as you say, hey, you come by quickly. There's no room for <laughs> intense dialogue yeah. or storytelling. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. would say
0: eighty-nine okay. percent of the attractions don't have any dialogue or minimal, maybe one or two words, and then the other eleven percent. There's a little bit more, but some of them mix it, some of them don't. And and if there's dialogue, it's probably not that important anyway. No,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So last but not least, let's compare Europa Park to Disneyland Paris, as uh, I think most of our listeners are uh, Disney fans. Yeah. Can you share one or two things that the park does better than Disney? Or maybe something that's well,
0: <laughs> they could learn from Disney? Most definitely. I also want to take Fantasialand into this equation. Oh, yeah, interesting. I would rate Europa Park slightly above Fantasialand. It's just a much larger park with a more balanced selection of attractions. What Europa Park does better than Disneyland Paris is the variety of food offered <laughs> and the yeah. rate at which new attractions are added to the okay, park. Yeah, so fair.
1: Yeah.
0: Disneyland Paris, yeah, we mentioned it earlier. It's finally investing in the resort again with a new Avengers campus that's opening up this summer. However, there was a really long period, basically, you know, 2012, so 10 years <laughs> where there was nothing going on. While Europa Park has been adding new attractions every three to four years. Which has kept the park really
1: lively. Especially since it's like the showroom of Mac. (laughs) As you told us uh, before, I can imagine that they have new rides on a frequent base.
0: Definitely. Like when Soaring opened in Orlando, Mac developed its own version of that ride system with, again, a completely different story and theme. So it feels like its own thing. It just kept the park on an innovative level that Disneyland Paris lacks, in my opinion. Yeah. Where Disneyland Paris really shines is in it's older attractions, so especially when it comes to maintaining them. Right. Disneyland Paris does do a great job of making sure that the show quality remains at a certain level. Now, I would say Walt Disney World does an even better job, but yeah. compared to Europa Park, where the older attractions could use a little bit of love Disneyland Paris is just the gold standard and maintaining quality. Right. At least next to Efteling, who also do an absolutely fantastic job of maintaining their own classic attractions. I love how gorgeous Drobenflucht looks. And considering how old it is, it really doesn't feel that old because it just everything looks so <laughs> Bright perfect and shiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of classics, it was on our most recent trip to Efteling, uh, mm-hmm. we've been there twice now, that we discovered the historical steam oh. carousel from yep. 1895. <laughs> That's still operation at Efteling today. So I know we're talking about Robo Park, but this is a drop dead <laughs> gorgeous piece of moving cultural heritage no, that's it just is. sitting there. It's so beautiful. And it's sitting in this intricately designed palace. So seriously, every surface in and around the carousel is covered in hand-painted and sculpted surfaces. There's so much to look at. The center console also houses an original gavioli organ, yeah. of which only five remain worldwide. Yeah. When the carousel starts moving, you see the steam-powered mechanics and the instruments playing and it's all physical, nothing's coming out of the speaker, it's all real and tangible. Not just for show pretending to be no, old, it is, it is actually' it is, it a very it's really old a piece old of, of history, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> totally, and it's still moving, so it's much better than just having it sit in a museum mm. and you just stare at it. No, you can actually experience what people over a hundred years <laughs> yeah, ago experienced exactly.
1: you can go back on time, you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but we're not here to talk about Flink, so on a closing note, I'll say that it's worth adding Europa Park to your European trip itinerary, especially if you're coming to Germany, you won't regret it, just for any theme park fan. If you have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to come to Europa Park, do it. You'll have a fantastic day. I would say spend a minimum of two days there because one day is definitely not enough. That two day minimum is, of course, not considering the water park. Mm -hmm. If you want to do that, I guess you need to add (laughs) some more dates there. There's no need to stay on property. However, if you enjoy themed hotels, it's a really fun thing to do. Yeah, excellent theme park, great place to enjoy some fabulous attractions. (laughs) It really sounds,
1: well, massive, and with something for everyone. It's really a family-friendly park, if I hear your story, so that's awesome. Yeah,
0: definitely. I know you prefer more of the dark rides Mm -hmm. and the medium to lower thrill levels, so I would say Europa Park, you can totally do it. You can have two full days there, no problem, you won't ever get bored. Whereas in Fantasia Land, that's so thrill-focused, I don't know if that would be the
1: best park for you. That's a little bit less interesting uh, to me personally yeah but this sounds like a really fun place to visit one day i'll put it on the bucket list (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so niels where can people find you people can find me at uh, instagram at capturing disney parks or check out my website capturingdisneyparks.com for uh, all my other uh, activities (laughs) brilliant
0: you guys be sure to follow airmagique on twitter and instagram you can also find us on the web by visiting our website airmagique.net where we've been posting the latest Islam Paris news, as well as on YouTube. Before we go, we did want to thank our wonderful patrons, and you can also get in a shout-out at the Sequoia tier. So thank you to Simon, Jen, JP, Jerry, Josh, and Tulips. <laughs> thank you so much, you guys. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Looking forward to the new lake. Yeah. <laughs> so, not only are large lakes and theme parks beautiful, but they have the potential to feature fantastic nighttime based entertainment. Yeah. So, yeah, Disney is no stranger to lake shows. I mean, we've had Fantasmic and Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. Rivers of Light at Disney's Animal Kingdom and Reflections of Earth, as well as Harmonious and Mm Epcot. So they have practice when it comes to lake shows. Of course, rumors have been floating around forever now that Tokyo Disney sees Fantasmic barges have been shipped shipped to to France. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Fantasmic is great, but it's also not the... Newest show, so I hope that Disneyland Paris Imagineers will get to try their hand at creating an original show for the Walt Disney Studios Park. After seeing the recent additions over at a Disneyland Park with a Disney D Disney delight, (laughs) I keep on calling it delight. It's Disney delight, (laughs) which turned out great, and I have really high hopes for. Now that was just a short preview of the full length Patreon exclusive show. You can get instant access to this episode as well as Disneyland Paris Hacks 2.0. Disneyland Paris on a budget, and the Discoveryland Deep Dive, along with all of our other fabulous Patreon-exclusive episodes, now on patreon.com slash airmagique. See you there!